This week on 10 Minutes with Jim, our adventure is a bit of time travel and some inspiration to see the USA in your Chevrolet or Tesla or motorcycle. We make a quick visit with David Buick and Ransom E. Olds, take a detour to Michigan's forgotten motor cities, and make a couple of pit stops on Route 66. Curious? Well, stay tuned. Say hello to a new friend on an old road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. Come along for the ride. Jim Hinckley's America. Jim Hinckley's America. I am Jim Hinckley, and this is Jim Hinckley's America, where adventures are guaranteed. Today's program is sponsored in part by Gilligan's Route 66 Tours from an innovative self-drive tour option that offers the flexibility of setting your own schedule but with the benefits of a guided tour. To tours along Route 66 with a knowledgeable guide, Gilligan's ensures that your adventure along the most famous highway in America is unforgettable. As a bonus, with Gilligan's you have an opportunity to share a meal or hoist a pint with some colorful people like me. This program and Jim Hinckley's America are also sponsored in part by supporters of our crowdfunding initiative on the Patreon platform. Patreon.com slash Jim Hinckley's America. And as always, if you would like more information about the magical places discussed today or our sponsors, contact us through Jim Hinckley's America on Facebook or check out the travel page on the Jim Hinckley's America website. You might also pick up a copy of my book, 100 Things to Do on Route 66 Before You Die, for additional ideas about where to eat, where to stay, and what to see while traveling Route 66. To set the stage for today's adventure, we need to step into our time machine and set the dial to 1900, the dawning of the American auto industry. The bicycle mania of the mid-1890s that gave rise to the good roads movement is fast being replaced by a national fascination with automobiles. Haynes Apperson, the oldest manufacturer of automobiles in America, was celebrating its seventh year of production. This was just four years after the Barnum & Bailey Circus gave a Haynes Apperson top billing over the albino and the bearded lady. By 1900, management at the Olds Motor Vehicle Company, launched by Ransom E. Olds in 1897, had decided to focus exclusively on the production of gasoline-powered vehicles. Their initial offerings had included steam and electric models. This was also the year the Detroit Automobile Company was launched in Detroit with Henry Ford as superintendent of production. When this company went bust, Ford found new investors and launched another enterprise that would be renamed Cadillac when he walked out after a disagreement with the directors. By 1899, David Buick had given up on the manufacture of plumbing components, even though he had invented the method of affixing porcelain to cast iron, giving the world the cast iron bathtub. At the helm of Buick Auto Vim and Power Company, he was producing gasoline engines for marine and farm use. This company would evolve to become the Buick Manufacturing Company a few years later. As a bit of an historic footnote, Early Buicks were promoted through a factory racing team led by Louis Chevrolet. Chevrolet was a Swiss-born immigrant that came to America in the employ of Fiat. 
Now, this is where this week's adventure takes on a personal note and a bit of an odd twist. In 1900, my grandfather was working as a machinist for Buick's Manufacturing Company in Jackson, Michigan. I never knew my grandfather. Frederick P. Hinckley was born in 1866, my pa in 1928. The quest to know more about the man sparked by a photo of him and Henry Ford in rocking chairs on the front porch of my grandmother's house on Hinckley Boulevard is what eventually led me to write books. Aside from working for Buick, Fred patented the coaster brake for the bicycle, established Hinckley Meyer Specialty Tool Company, founded a manufacturing company to produce truck engines that were sold to Patriot, Republic, and Relay, had a machine shop where he developed special projects for Henry Ford, and in the teens was co-owner of one of the largest amusement parks in Michigan. In the decades-long research of my grandfather's various endeavors, I learned that during the first decades of the 20th century, Jackson, Michigan came very close to becoming THE Motor City. Fast forward to 2016. That was when a note was received from Ted O'Dell, who had recently acquired the forlorn and long-abandoned Hackett Automobile Factory in Jackson. Ted has a deep passion for automotive history, and that led to the factory's purchase. Well, Ted's invitation piqued my interest, so I made a detour to Jackson, visited the crumbling factory, and took a tour on a very rainy fall afternoon. The roof leaked so badly I was wishing for an umbrella, and we wore a hard hat since bricks occasionally fell from the walls. But Ted is a man with vision, and he saw more than an old factory, and he soon had me sharing the vision for an event center and museum that will chronicle Jackson's rich automotive history. He's already acquired a very rare friction-drive Carter car, a Jackson, and examples of the automobiles manufactured by the more than 20 companies that were once headquartered in Jackson. Needless to say, I'm eagerly awaiting completion of the facility. Jackson is not Michigan's only forgotten motor city. Kalamazoo was also home to a rich and diverse auto industry before the Great Depression, and the Checker Cab Manufacturing Company produced vehicles in this city until 1982. Just a short distance from the city, in Hickory Corners, is the Gilmore Museum. This incredible complex in a park-like setting is no mere automotive museum. It's an experience. There's a complete service station circa 1935, rotating exhibits that have recently included the largest displays of Duesenbergs and Checkers ever assembled, and buildings that house expansive displays for Model A Fords and Lincolns. As a bonus, most every weekend in spring, summer, and fall, there's an automotive event taking place on the shaded grounds. For the automotive enthusiast, the Gilmore needs to be a must-see attraction. Now, back on Route 66, the National Museum of Transportation in West St. Louis is nothing short of astounding. The breadth, the scope, and the diversity of the collections is simply overwhelming. Aside from a few samplings from the more than 100 automobile manufacturers that once operated in St. Louis, there are antique cars, custom cars, experimental cars, and historic cars. The museum is also home to one of the largest railroad equipment collections in America, including locomotives of most every vintage and style imaginable. Then there are the airplanes, the tugboats, the buses, and trucks. As the name implies, this is a museum of transportation. Arrive early, spend the day, I guarantee you will not be bored. 
At the West End of Route 66 in Kingman, Arizona, you'll find the world's only museum dedicated to the electric vehicle. It's small and embryonic, but provides a hint about the rich history of the electric vehicle and their diversity. Now, before you dismiss the EV and its electric contributions to the auto industry, consider this. The first pedestrian ever struck and killed by an automobile in America, a fellow by the name of Bliss, was hit by an electric taxi cab in 1898. The first automobile imported in Hawaii was a Woods Dual Electric. The first car produced by Ferdinand Porsche was an electric. Studebaker launched its automotive empire with an electric car designed by Thomas Edison. I wish we could talk more about this, it's a subject that's dear to my heart, but a quick glance at the clock tells me it's time to wrap up this week's adventure. Thank you for joining me on our automotive odyssey. Paul always told me, better to fill your head with useless knowledge than no knowledge at all. And as you can see, when it comes to cars, I have a head full of useless knowledge. So, check out Jim Hinckley's America for more stories and inspiration for road trips. I hope that you can join us next week for another episode of 10 Minutes with Jim, when we set out in search of celebrity sightings on Route 66. Did you know that Sammy Davis Jr. lost his eye in an accident on Route 66, or that Pamela Anderson was arrested for indecent exposure on Route 66? I guarantee an adventure you won't want to miss next week on 10 Minutes with Jim. With that said, I'd like to give a hearty thank you to the boys of the road crew at roadcrew66.com for our theme song. Folks, we'll see you next week for another adventure in Jim Hinckley's America. Adios! Say hello to a new friend on an old road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. Come along for the ride. Jim Hinckley's America. Jim Hinckley's America.